We mentioned at the beginning of the service this morning that we're dealing with a value empowered by the Spirit. Uh, We've been covering a number of values over the last few weeks. We have a few more to go, but uh, today we're going to be looking at the enabling that the Holy Spirit brings to us. Uh, And I'm so grateful that he's involved in this ministry, uh, that he's involved in our lives, that he's involved in the church worldwide, uh, that he's involved in ministries that don't necessarily meet under a church roof. He's involved with the street pastors when they're out in the street corner. Uh, We'd be in a sad state if we did not have the Holy Spirit helping us. And uh, the topic of the Holy Spirit, of course, is massive and will take a number of Sundays to cover if if that were to be. But uh, we're going to try our level best this morning to condense it and, and focus on the role that the Holy Spirit plays in your life and in mine. The, the regions beyond defining statement uh, is, reads like this. We believe in the vitality of every member being filled with the Holy Spirit and the importance of using their God-given gifts to build the church and to impact their communities. Three things jump out at me when I read that. The first is, it refers to every member, not just to a holy few, not just to some who've been appointed into leadership, but to every member of the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, it, is in, in, it is imperative that we move forward knowing that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the reason that we, we uh, have the Holy Spirit within us, uh, there, there's just so many, so many aspects of his nature that enhances and helps us in our, in our reaching for God and in extending the kingdom of God. But the, the thing mentioned in this, this statement is that it enables us to build, to build the church of Jesus Christ. Not just the apex, but of course the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm so grateful that we have opportunity to touch churches in Pakistan, touch churches in the Middle East, touch churches here in Europe and in Southern Africa. Uh, it's, It's such a privilege that we can build because the Holy Spirit helps us, prompts us, enables us to impact And I can't help but think of you and myself in our daily living as we go about our affairs in the office, at home, in school, in college, university, wherever we are, the Holy Spirit indwelling us enables us to make an impact. So take a good look at that that defining statement because it, it, it leaves us all in a place where we reach out to God and say, yes, Lord, I want to build, I want to impact people, and I thank you for the truth of your indwelling 
Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is as much God as the Son is God and as the Father is God. We have a diagram which helps us somewhat in our understanding. Uh, I, I don't know if we'll ever be able to fully understand what it means in terms of the Trinity, how it all works together. Uh, uh, the, the, the diagram makes it very clear that the Father is not the Son and the Son is not the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. But uh, all three persons in the Godhead, they are God together. They are unique in their cooperation. They are unique in the way that their, their thoughts are the same. They are unique in the way that their actions uh, are, are not, not divided. They are one in their actions. They, they present a unity which is beyond, I think, our human understanding. But the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are God all together. If we, we try to think of it in terms of mathematics, it is not a matter of one plus one plus one equals three. It is much better to think of it in terms of one multiplied by one multiplied by one equals one. And so we, we're faced with this dilemma this morning. How do we grasp the triune nature of Elohim, of God? Let it suffice to say this morning that God is one in Trinity. Uh, and I, I, I want to share with you the understanding that Jesus had and something that he portrayed to us as well when he uh, uh, went to John the Baptist to be baptized. And uh, I want you to visualize this. Let that little video run in your mind as, as you see him going down into the water and then he is baptized by the Baptist. And when he comes up out of the water, you'll see Jesus standing on the banks of the Jordan and you'll then see heaven opening and a dove representing the Holy Spirit descending upon him. And then the third thing you'll become aware of is a voice out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So you've got three uh, demonstrations of the Godhead right there. You have the Son, Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit descending on him. And you have a voice from heaven speaking, God the Father. In Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus then said, when you go and you disciple the nations, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then in another place, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in John 14. And he says, I will ask the Father. Jesus will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, a third person. He will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. And he speaks of the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. 
whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him, but you, disciples, you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. And we, notice the plurality, we will come to him and make our abode with him. So we have in just those few verses, and there are many more verses, where we are given the fact that God is one in Trinity. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, he's known as the third person of the Godhead. Person. It's not someone impersonal. It's not something impersonal. Sometimes he's referred to as a breath, as the anointing, as a fire, or as a gift. But he's a person. He's not, he's not impersonal. Those descriptions I've just mentioned, are they relate to his function, what he does. He's the third person of the Godhead. He's a personality. And I know I'm, I'm stressing that this morning. He's involved in, in personal activities. When you read the scripture, you'll see the Holy Spirit has a will. He has a mind. And he has emotions. So he's not some mystical ethereal kind of wispy, smoky kind of existence. He's the third person of the Godhead. He is spirit because God is spirit. And when you dig into it, you begin to see that, that he has personal activities. I'm just going to read down the list. He reveals, he teaches, he witnesses, he intercedes, he speaks, he commands... He testifies, he convicts, he baptizes into the body of Christ. That's a teaching all on its own again. And he enables us to minister to others. So the Holy Spirit is very, very special. We're not... I, it's probably unfortunate that the, the Old English refers to him as the Holy Ghost. Um, well, he's not a ghost. Uh, he's his spirit because he's God, but he's a person. And I think we should we should perhaps remind ourselves of that time and time again, and welcome him in his person. I have a little habit, and I'm sure many of you do too. When I start my day. I say, good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. And I think we need to welcome him in our, into our lives as a person. Welcome his being into our days. Because our days will never be as successful as they could be if we exclude him in our activities. You're an accountant. 
and you're looking down those columns of figures, well, I can promise you the Holy Spirit will help you and will make the job a lot better. If you work with your hands, the Holy Spirit can help you and improve your skills. If you're mostly intellectual in your pursuits during the day, he can come and help you to gain the mind of Christ. People, the Holy Spirit is so important because it brings a dimension into our lives that the natural can never accomplish. The Holy Spirit coming alongside whatever our gifts and abilities are, He enhances that. He adds a dimension to it. And you can see it in some of the lives, in, in the lives of some of God's children. They are, they are remarkable people. They got nothing in the natural to commend them, but because they are so dependent upon and rely on the work of the Holy Spirit in them and through them, that they accomplish so much. So I'd encourage you to not treat the Holy Spirit as if he's someone very distant, maybe up there with God at his throne somewhere. No, if you're a believer, he's in you. And, and, and he wants to get involved in your life. He wants you to speak to him. He wants you to thank him and invite him and request him to increase his presence in your life. So where is the Holy Spirit then? He's not matter. God is not matter. The Bible says God is spirit. It's certainly not necessary for God to be dependent on being matter. Because he is spirit, it enables him to to reveal his incommunicable attributes, his omniscience, his omnipresence and his omnipotence. Oh, I wish I had the eloquence this morning to bring home to us the magnificence of the God that we serve and that he's revealed himself to us, not only in his son, Jesus, but also by giving us his spirit. Being spirit, God is able to fill the universe in its entirety. Being spirit, the Holy Spirit too is able to fill the universe in its entirety. So the Holy Spirit right now, is he everywhere? Yes, In relation to mankind, we've got to think of it in two dispensations. We've got to think of it in terms of the Old Testament and his presence there. We read in the Old Testament that, that he came upon people that God used, be it Samson, Gideon, David, or whoever. He would come upon them. In the New Testament... That changed dramatically. Because now, he doesn't just come upon us, but he dwells within us. 
Please get hold of that. Dwelling within you is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. You don't have to go looking for God over here or over there or some distant place. God is within you by His Spirit. And I find that's a mistake that some believers make. They're waiting, looking for God, and all the time He is in them. Look inward rather than outward and beyond. This is the privilege of those who call Jesus their Lord and Savior. You will find in John 14 that it says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him, but you, my disciples, you know him, because he abides with you, and will be in you. What a tremendous statement that is from our Lord. Every person who has Jesus as their Lord, who doesn't just call themselves Christian. Christians become a word that doesn't mean much. All it means is that you're not a Buddhist, or you're not uh, uh, Islamic, or, or something like that. Christian, in the true biblical sense, means a follower of Christ, doing like Christ, living like Christ, obeying Christ. If you are a Christ follower, if you were a disciple of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living in your spirit. And don't think of your spirit as being a blob over here somewhere. I know that our emotions seem to be over here, and we sense our emotions uh, eventually permeates all that we are. But you are a spirit from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet from one fingertip to the other fingertip. And the day that this old tent that you are clothed with now ceases to be and is laid in the grave, you as a spirit will continue to live for eternity. And the Holy Spirit indwells you. Jesus himself made it very clear and we've already read it. He said, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, the world cannot receive him because it doesn't see him. And Jesus uses a personal pronoun there of relating to a person, cannot see him, not it, him. You know him, now get this, for he dwells with you. He's speaking to uh, pre-new covenant disciples. He dwells with you, and then Jesus says this, and will be futuristic in you. And we fall into that category. We are now in that that place where he dwells within us. And the Apostle Paul confirms that when he admonishes those in the Corinthian church, and he says to them, don't you guys realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you. That's why it's so important that we understand we can't use our members, the members of our body, for sinful practices. As believers, the world does it. We can't afford it as believers. As a believer, this is the temple 
of the Holy Spirit. That's why I must honor it. I must honor my body in every way possible. Where is the Holy Spirit? He is in you, believer. He dwells in you. His is an awesome presence. The potential of the Holy Spirit indwelling you is enormous. I want to give you a brief idea of that. Remember when we read of the creation account in Genesis 1? It says that God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was in what appears to be a somewhat of a chaotic state. It was without form. It was void. Darkness was over the face of the waters. And then it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over that chaotic sea. It hovered over the waters. Some translation uh, say he moved. That's also a good way of putting it. He moved over the waters. Heading back to your concordance and checking that word out in the Hebrew, you'll discover it has a prime meaning of brooding. The Holy Spirit brooded over that chaotic situation. Just like a hen would brood over her chickens, the Holy Spirit brooded over that which was void and empty. But then something happened, didn't it? God spoke, and God said, let there be. And when God spoke, let there be, with each creative, you've got to get this, with each creative command of God, the powerful dynamic of the Holy Spirit kicked into action and produced the very words that God spoke. Is that sinking in? You'll find on more than one occasion in the New Testament a phrase that says, because God has said, therefore, no, rather, because God has, has, has done, therefore I say. We can't get into it this morning. But our words are so important. We have an, an example in that creation account where God would speak and the Holy Spirit who was brooding over it, His dynamic would kick in. And what God commanded would come into being. You have the Holy Spirit that, it's not a different Holy Spirit to the one who brooded over that scene back there in creation. It's the same Holy Spirit. And He dwells in your spirit. And so your words link with what the Holy Spirit is meant to accomplish in your life. And I hear people speak death over their lives all the time. I could get excited about this, but I, 
I, some other time maybe. People, what I want you to get hold of is that we need to cooperate with that unique, wonderful, awesome presence of the Holy Spirit in us. Watching our words is one way of cooperating. Being obedient. Being, being prayerful in our reading of the Word of God. I'd love to do a teaching on praying the Word of God one day. All of those things and much more is so important because as we cooperate with the indwelling Holy Spirit, the awesomeness of His presence becomes apparent. You've got divine potential in you because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He has promised to every single believer. And I love the way that Jesus put it in John 4, 14. He says, The water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I think the King James refers to it as a well. Springing up to eternal life. Spring of water welling up to eternal life. I submit to you that that's talking about our born again experience. Welling up to eternal life. But then later on, in chapter 7, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, and it's not talking about this blood pump in your chest, it's talking about your spirit. It says, out of his spirit will flow rivers of living water. Do you see the progression? When you're born again, he becomes that spring within you. That well that contains waters of life. But as you yield and function and cooperate with the Holy Spirit, you become a source of a river flowing out of you. From a spring, from a well, to a river that flows out of you. I'd love to go down rabbit trails when I say stuff like that. It's talking about the spirit-filled experience. It's a flow, it's an ongoing motion. At least smile at me. Or feel sorry for me or something. But, but folks, I, I, I pray God will bring across to you this morning the value that you have within you. That third person of the Godhead. The precious, awesome Holy Spirit. We don't have the time. But I look at spirit-filled fruit in, in the New Testament, and again, I'll just give you a list. Prophesying, led by the Spirit, speaking in tongues, bold, wise, full of faith, God-given giving visions, signs and wonders, being full of joy, singing songs of praise. There's a dimension to singing songs of praise that is more than reading words 
off this back wall here. It is singing spontaneously what your heart is feeling. Singing to God and, and, and it doesn't matter whether it's in tune or not, but sing it anyway like you do in the shower. Spirit-filled fruit because of the awesome presence of the Holy Spirit. Evidence of God being with us because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. As regions beyond, in all our church gatherings, we should be identified as being thoroughly and unashamedly charismatic. We should never apologize for that. I personally believe it is a wrong tendency to curb the gifts of the Holy Spirit so we do not put off non-Christians. I believe that's wrong. I'll tell you why. Because when the gifts are in operation in our midst, when we gather like this corporately, it is evidence of the supernatural God being with us. None of those gifts can operate effectively unless they're anointed by the Holy Spirit, given by the Holy Spirit. I'd have loved an amen there. We should never curb those gifts because more than just evidence of the supernatural holy God being among us, He's showing us that He's working now, in that moment. That He knows what's in your heart. And He brings it to revelation, He brings it out. My understanding as I read 1 Corinthians 14 that will cause the unbeliever to worship God and to declare that he really is among us. You can stone me later, but that's where I stand. An awesome presence. His awesome presence comes and it causes us to be filled and baptized with the Spirit. And that brings an added dimension to our lives. We are automatically filled and indwelt at the rebirth, but I believe as we go on with God, there are added dimensions that we can experience from the Holy Spirit. And again, this is a teaching that would take an entire morning, all on its own. I'm closing by giving you this picture. We live in an environment here in Cowes and on the island where we're not unfamiliar with yachts. We see them. We take a walk along the seafront. When we drive on some of our roads, you can see them out there. There's sails hoisted to the wind. And there's nothing as beautiful as seeing a, a sleek yacht with its spinnaker and the sails filled with the wind and being driven, driven along by the power of the wind. 
A yacht without sails filled with wind is no good. Might be all right to look at, but it doesn't fulfill its function. That's not what a yacht was born for. You know what, how I mean that. If I could compare our Christian life to a yacht, and God has given us, God has given us his gifts, he's given us abilities. You could call those the sails of our life. Being filled by the Holy Spirit, being baptized by the Holy Spirit, causes those sails to be filled with the momentum and with the power of the Spirit of God. And we move along at a pace, constantly checking. I'm not a sailor. Ask Rick about this stuff. But constantly checking the wind, constantly trimming our sails, Constantly making sure that we're reaping the maximum benefit from the wind that is blowing. We will find momentum in our lives that will thrill us. We will find us covering distances in God that will amaze us and will amaze others. the wind of the Holy Spirit is present. It waits for sails to be hoisted. Stand with me, please. Empowered by the Spirit of God. I'm a candidate for that. What about you? We're going to pray. Time is not our friend. But I'm going to pray. And I want to invite you. If there's something that you've recognized this morning as being a desire of your heart, all under that overarching theme of empowered by the Spirit of God, if there's something in there that you've recognized And you want to say to the Lord this morning, I'm a candidate, Father. I'm hoisting my sails before you now. Please fill it with your spirit. Then I would invite you to raise your hands. Just be like a cup. It's a symbol of a cup. Here I am, Lord. Fill me. Fill me. Today, Father, as his precious people stand before you with arms raised, wanting more of you, wanting wanting to see a massive change in their testimony, wanting to see progress, wanting to see giant strides being taken into a deeper experience of the Holy Spirit. Their hands raised before you is a gesture of surrender. They're saying, here I am, Lord. I lift my cup, Lord. Please fill it. And I invite you now to come and to touch them. 
in any way that you deem feasible. Let your will be done. Come, precious Spirit of God, and anoint and fill your hungry people today. Do it for your sake, for their sakes, for their friends and family's sake. Do it for the sake of the kingdom, I pray. More of you. The old familiar cry, more, Lord, just more of you. Do it in Jesus' name. Thank you for hearing our prayer.